What is the Mihu Yehudi issue? The Mihu Yehudi issue basically is, are there borders that define the Jewish people as distinguished from non-Jewish people, or aren't there? The law that says anyone can convert any which way he wants and become a Jew means that there's no such thing as Jews. I mean, a guy can stand in front of the mirror, raise his right hand, and say, I pledge to be a Jew. He's converted. Who's to say no? So what is the issue of Mir Yehudi? The issue of Mir Yehudi is that by making that law, we tore down the border. The border, that the line of demarcation between Jew and non-Jew. The same is true with giving back territories. What do you mean you're giving back the Sinai. It means that there is no definite border. What is the whole problem that exists now between Arabs and Jews in Israel? The question of where the border should be. But why is there such a question? The border is where it is. What's the question? It's because Jews came to the Arabs and said, look, you want it back? So all of a sudden, nobody's quite sure where the borders are. And if you're not quite sure where the borders are, how can you defend the border? So of course there are going to be terrorists and Mahablim coming in. And you say, oh, they snuck across the border. Which border? You don't even have a border anymore. What's the border? The identity of a Jew is no longer a reality by, the, by, by these definitions. There is no such animal as a Jew. If we go by those definitions. When, when a Lubavitcher guy stops a man in the street and says, excuse me, are, are you Jewish? And he obviously is. And he says, no, you don't think I'm Jewish. So what do you mean, I don't think? Of course you're Jewish. Come on, put on the film. He says, no, no, no. I'm a guy. He said, but no, you're Jewish. Come on, put on the film. No, no, no. By your standards, I'm not a Jew. So who told you that? Who told you that? Who convinced you that because you don't keep kosher, you're not a Jew? It's a terrible thing. Why do people think that way? because of zealous grandfathers who saw their grandson or granddaughter slipping in their, in their Yiddishkeit, and they said to them, oh, you're going to be a goy. And they took it literally. The grandfathers took it literally. And later you didn't want to come back, but it's going to be too late. You missed the boat. Because of this breakdown in of borders between holy and unholy, the holy land versus the rest of the world, the holy people versus the rest of the world. These borders are torn down. The result is that the same thing happens in other areas in the world. Borders between other nations get torn down. Borders between families get torn down to where even the, the most 
protective borders, the most secure borders that the world has ever had, and those are the borders of your family, no longer exist for so many people. There's no comfort in it. There's no security in it. There are no borders. I do live here. I don't live here. I used to live here. There's this cartoon. There's this kid sitting and watching television. And a man and woman are standing behind the kid. In this cartoon. There's a man and woman standing behind the kid. And the woman is saying to the man, Mine? I thought it was yours. That's a secure family. A little cocoon of security there. So even that border, in many ways, simply doesn't exist anymore. When you talk to the average person in the street and you say, how's your mother? It doesn't bring up feelings of warmth and security and comfort and reassurance. And even within ourselves, within ourselves, our own, our own equilibrium, our own sense of border, our own sense of definition, we're at, we're at a loss. We don't know what's going on. There's a medrash that says that before Mashiach comes, the king of Persia will, will destroy the world. And the people will run around in a panic, saying, where should we go? Where should we go? That's the literal description in the Medrash. We're talking about the breaking down of, of boundaries and borders in many areas. What probably contributed to global terrorism and the breakdown of international borders more than anything else in, in recent history is when Iran took American hostages and got away with it. The Western world, basically, the influence of America took a devastating blow, and the respect or the fear or the at least acknowledgement of borders and rights and limits and was forever damaged. Well, you certainly couldn't touch an American, but, but once, once you can touch America, who can't you touch? So it's not just that America has become more vulnerable. Everybody's now more vulnerable. Because if Iran can start up with America, then, uh, then, then any two-bit country can at least start up with their neighbor. <laughs> so, so, when, so when the Medrash says that the king of Persia will come and, and destroy the world, I think it was interesting that uh, when Khomeini took over from the Shah, the article in, New York, in the Time magazine said, uh, they had a picture of Khomeini, and under the picture it said, the king of Persia. That's when he voted himself in forever. Remember right after he took, he voted himself in forever. So they said, the king of Persia. But what does it mean that he destroyed the world? What does the Medrash mean when it says, he will destroy the world, and the people will run around saying, where should we go? What people? He just destroyed them. So obviously the Medrash isn't talking about genocide, not talking about wiping out mankind. The Medrash is saying that the king of Persia will destroy the 
the balance, the, 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 the equilibrium. And what will the result be? People will run around saying, where should we go? Where should we go? Where do we belong? Where are the borders? Eventually, if spiritually, the spiritual borders are destroyed, eventually, human borders are destroyed, borders set up by human agreement and by consent and by international law, and eventually, beyond that, the laws of nature themselves, the boundaries of nature, will also begin to crumble. So that night and day are not so uh, secure anymore. The ocean and the dry land are not so clearly defined anymore. The laws of nature themselves simply stop, break down. And the result is acquired immune deficiency syndromes. Not, not necessarily literally, but... And what does that mean? What is an immune deficiency syndrome? It's not a sickness. It's not a disease. It's a breakdown of borders. The body no longer knows what belongs to it and what doesn't belong to it. A foreign invasion is not recognized as a foreign invasion. The body can't fight it off. Or in some cases, the body begins to destroy itself, not knowing. It begins to destroy healthy cells. Because it, it can't distinguish between itself and a foreign object. So the Rebbe says, how are we going to... How are we going to pull together to prevent the world from coming apart? But we have to do something about that. We can't just sit back and... <clears throat> so we can say, on faith, I believe that the world will not destroy itself because that's not what God intended. But that's my faith. What about my responsibility? What am I supposed to do when I see a world coming apart at the seams? Literally. So the Rebbe says, Avas Yisrael. Avas Yisrael. That's the answer. What does this mean, Avas Yisrael? What does it mean? Be nice to me? Give me a nickel? What does it mean, love your fellow Jew? How? By helping them, by giving them, by complimenting them, by smiling to them, by... That's being nice. What's Avas Yisrael? Avas Yisrael means, do you know which family is yours? Do you know which people is your people? Avas Yisrael means that when you see a Jew, you know that you are related. Even if you don't do him a favor. Even if you're not nice. Even if you don't speak the same language. 
even if you can't stand his guts. But he is your fellow Jew. Love him, hate him, kiss him, bite him, but he's your fellow Jew. That's Avas Yisrael. It is assumed that if you do identify that way and you feel that this is your fellow Jew, of course you're going to be nice to him. Why? For the same reason you're nice to yourself. Because you identify with yourself. That's the, that's the way to stop fighting. You don't stop fight. You don't, not, not daily. Only in a crisis. Why was the Beis Hamikdash destroyed? Because of sinas chinam. Because the, because Jews disliked each other for no reason at all. Wasn't me for no reason at all. How do you hate somebody for no reason at all? How do you do anything for no reason at all? They didn't hate each other. They had nothing against each other. They just no longer related to each other. If you were from the tribe of Yehuda and somebody else was from the tribe of Benjamin, so he was none of your business. You didn't. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't an aggressive hatred. It was a. An alienation. Jews became alienated from each other. In other words, the borders that identified Jews as being one people began to show cracks. When the peoplehood shows cracks, then the borders of the country begin to show cracks. And suddenly the Philistines are sneaking in, and the Romans are sneaking in, and the Babylonians are sneaking in, and everybody wants a piece of the land. And then it goes further to where the walls of the Beis Hamikdash begin showing cracks. And then all of a sudden, you're in exile. You got to start somewhere, rebuilding borders. The place to start is rebuilding our immediate borders. Our immediate borders is Jews. Your fellow Jew. When we begin to feel a responsibility for our fellow Jew, then the differences are going to have to be resolved. It's very easy to say, oh, they're not Jewish. Well, if they're not Jewish, then even if you do business with him every day, day in and day out, and you see that he doesn't keep kosher, Never occurs to you to say a word to him. Why should you? It's not Jewish, not my problem. If your kid didn't keep kosher, oh boy, there'd be no end to it. But this guy, he's not Jewish, so. This kid came home from a yeshiva in Israel. He was there for only a short while. Comes home from the yeshiva, and his family is not observant, and. Um, he says to his mother on a Friday evening, he says to his mother, um, 
I promised to call my friend and tell him uh, something about our arrangements for tomorrow, and it's it's too late for me to call. Would you call him, please? And this mother, who never kept Shabbos in her life, and who really didn't know much about, about Yiddishkeit, but she knew enough to know that something's wrong with this. She says, wait a minute, if you're not allowed, then why am I allowed? So that would be easy. You don't feel related. You don't feel that you're stuck with your fellow Jew. And therefore, if he doesn't behave himself, what do you care? Not your problem. But once you feel and accept the relationship, the identity, this is your fellow Jew. You can't shrug your shoulders and say, not my problem. It is your problem. It's your fellow Jew. There are people in Israel who are burning down bus stations. The Reformed Jew says, ah, you see, they're so bad. Not my problem. Maybe not your problem. It's your fellow Jew. It is your problem. That's the beginning of rebuilding borders. And if we rebuild that border, which is a spiritual border, then the physical borders will heal as well. Then the healing comes from within. And it heals the rest of the body as well. So in, in a mystical sense, the fate of the world depends on how Jews behave. Because if we allow the divine borders to be to be dismissed and 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 erased, then no borders can remain. As the Gemara says, that when God created the world, he, he put a condition on nature, and he said, "If the Jews will accept my Torah and live by Torah, then the laws of nature will stand. But if Jews don't accept," the Torah, then I have no need for nature and you will return to nothingness and void. And that's why at the giving of the Torah, it says that the world trembled because that was the moment of uh, reckoning. If the Jews had said no, there'd be no world. So the borders of nature <clears throat> the laws of nature are as healthy or as unhealthy as the Jew. The healthier our borders are, the healthier nature is. And uh, the weaker our borders are, the weaker are the laws of nature that keep this whole thing from falling apart. So the Rebbe sits in Brooklyn and shoulders all this concern and all this responsibility and I, I really don't know how he, how he can go on smiling and and staying calm not getting depressed not getting pessimistic but 
but he makes it very clear that there is something that we ought to be doing. There is something we can do, and that is Avas Yisrael. <clears throat> because Avas Yisrael means, before you get around to doing nice things for each other, Avas Yisrael means this is your fellow Jew. That's a border. That's a definition. That's a an identity. And so if we want to save the world, as corny as that sounds, if we want to save the world, we have to begin by shoring up the borders. And it's interesting that concerning Mashiach, Where, where the Rambam describes Mashiach, it's, he says that one of the things Mashiach will do is Mashiach will repair the breach in Torah. Which is an interesting metaphor, but why that metaphor? Because a breach means a crack in a border. A hole in a border. So by shoring up our own borders, meaning to say identifying more strongly with our own families, with our own communities, and with our own people, and not just in theory, but in actual deed, that'll make us healthier and that makes the world healthier.